0: Hi, I'm Ethan Evans, and I am excited to be chatting with you on this week's episode of Checked In, a podcast sponsored by the Missouri Association of School Librarians. This episode, we are focusing on diversity, and as you will hear me mention many times um, in the following recordings, diversity is not something that you can just uh, address in one episode um, or with a couple of voices. Um, There's too much to tackle in that limited amount of time and with that limited amount of of viewpoints. Um, But we get the conversation started today, uh, talking a little bit about, you know, checking for uh, inclusion in your library and in the way that you go about developing your collection. So that being said, let's get the conversation started. All right, so this week's episode, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about um, diversity in publishing and in developing your collection. Um, obviously, this is a topic that you, know, you could spend a whole season's worth of episodes on, um, and we'll probably come back to it. But I wanted to get that conversation started today, so I have several uh, guests who will be talking with me this week, uh, one of whom is going to go ahead and introduce yourself right now.
1: Hi, my name is Kirsten Shaw, and I'm with Martin Warren Elementary in Warrensburg, Missouri. Uh, we are grades three through five there, and I'm also the Mazel Second Vice President.
0: Um, so let's just dive right in. I uh, I wanted to know uh, your thoughts on diversity in uh, collection development, um, and you know, just in the publishing world in general, and whether that's something that, as you've been a librarian, um, you've kind of came to a realization that you needed uh, to know more about or to study more, or whether that was something you've always kind of had in the forefront of your mind?
1: Um, I feel like it's always kind of been something that's been at the forefront of my mind. Um, I came from, uh, it was a school in Missouri, um, but because I grew up near a military base, our school was, was pretty diverse. So I went to school with lots of different people and I think that we were um, not, not the, you know, sample for the rest of Missouri um, that represented the population. And right. I feel that I'm very fortunate um, to have had that experience. So kind of when I moved to Warrensburg, you know, the population was obviously just a little bit different. And um, it was really important to me when I took over my library, seeing that, you know, we were, there was a big need in books that represented different types of people. Uh And so just looking at the collection when I took over my library, um, I kind of took it upon myself to start ordering different types of books um, that cater to different types of readers so that the kids could not just see themselves in those books, um, but also kind of see outside of our community. I know we talk a lot about windows and mirrors, um, and I think it's just really important for the kids to see outside of themselves.
0: Right. And, I mean, why do you think that maybe, uh, like, being aware, like, diversity awareness or uh, thinking about diversity is so important just in, you know, constructing collections today? And, and like, how do you go about uh, making sure to check yourself while you're constructing collections?
1: I think that, um, you know, it's so important to, to offer these different types of books to kids simply because you know we all carry those little biases that we don't realize are there um and you know whether that's something that they're they're hearing from their parents or just people in the community or family members or you know even on tv video games whatever and um offering those kids again books that that just let them see a, a wider view of the world Um, I think really helps develop an understanding, a patience for other cultures um, that they wouldn't otherwise develop um, necessarily.
0: Right. So, like, it's not something that I had really, I mean, honestly, uh, until I really started teaching, uh, I feel like that I had thought about, like, what types of main characters um, are, like, constantly in books because as a, you know, cisgendered white male um and you know it wasn't hard to find books that like reflected me (laughs) uh you know um and so i think like once i started like teaching in a rural town um and started having conversations with my kids and started hearing some of the things that they thought about people who were different than them or that they just like not even maybe that they thought but that they just casually said um sometimes made me realize like Oh hey, uh <laughs> we need some we need to talk about um you know, some different uh <laughs> some different cultures and some some people from different backgrounds because they really like they they hadn't ever considered it how like the lives of other people outside of themselves, you know what I mean?
1: Right, exactly. And it's like taking those moments and turning them into teachable moments. So, for instance, you know, I've had some kids that were talking about immigration the other day and it was like, "Oh, how how can we how can we kind of take this and, and use it as a moment to expand your minds a little bit. Um, And I actually have gone to teaching tolerance has been a great resource um, as of late to find, you know, these lessons that, that target different things like that. So you can kind of, you know, have these conversations with kids and say, you know, this this view that you have is kind of skewed because you don't have these experiences. So let me open this up for you um, and kind of introduce you to some other stories so that you um, you can see from somebody else's perspective what life is like for them.
0: Right. And I think, uh, oh, what's that book? I always forget the name. It's a graphic memoir um, about a girl growing up in Iran.
1: Uh, um. Per- list-
0: Persepolis, yeah. Yeah. So we had a so I taught a novels class, and this is like one of the first times that I kind of like realized <laughs> that I needed to focus on this with my kids more. Uh, and I was like, we had, I mean, it was just kind of my novels class. Every every once in a while, I wanted to have like a a group read. You know, we, we would read individual books some of the time, and some of the time we would read a book as a, as a class, and we had a copy of that in the, or we had copies of that in the lit closet. And so I remember handing it out and one of the kids asking me and like sort of joking, but also sort of not um, whether or not I was trying to convert him to Islam. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, no, no, like, like, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to get you to see like the, the, that, you know, there are kids who like the only difference between you and them is the fact that they were born in a different country than you are, you know, like that. Like they, they grew up wanting the same things as you, or or liking the same things as you, or have but having to deal with entirely different situations than you're you're used to. And I feel like at the end of that unit, we like I had kind of opened their eyes that way, but that was kind of the first time that I was like, oh gosh, I need to like think more about the even more about the books that I'm putting in front of these kids. Um, right.
1: Yeah, and even I mean, just even. You know, as an adult woman now, there are so many more books out there available to kids than we had you yeah. know, when we were younger that offer you know, so many different perspectives. I think that um, you know definitely the publishing industry needs to uh, do a better job of, sure. of offering a platform to these you know diverse voices, but at the same time, like there's so many books out there that we're not, um, we're not available or those point of views were not available when I was younger. And I just finished reading um, Darius. The Great is not okay by Cram. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And it was, I mean, it's an amazing book. I loved it. And I had myself not read a book that was set in a Middle Eastern country. You know, I'd read about kids that were from the Middle East or Muslim kids, but this was the first book that I had read that was set in the Middle East in present day. And, you know, they're the same things are happening to these kids that are happening to kids in the United States, you know, these, you know, these kids are getting bullied and whatever. And I'm just like, this is I can't believe that this is the first time I'm reading a book like this.
0: Right. And I think like, yeah, like you said, it it's it's the uh, certainly in the last even 10 years, I feel like the publishing industry has has moved that way. It's it's moving slowly, <laughs> right. but it is, you know, there are more and more um, opportunities for Kids to not only see themselves but see themselves and not like those i don't know those cliche roles um you know what I mean, like there we books that would be touting that they had diverse characters and they would be you know uh side characters or characters that acted a certain way based on what you know a stereotype or things like that right um and i like I like that you don't you know you're seeing different kinds or kids from all kinds of different backgrounds or, uh, you know, things like that that are still acting in ways or acting in ways that kids actually act, but you, you know, you maybe didn't know, you know, all the things in common that you might have with somebody who came from a different culture than you. Right. So, you know,
1: um, during the conference, I went to a session that, um, Jennifer Milliken did with Rebecca Markham Parker and, um, they were talking about, Um, you know, offering diverse books in the library and how important it was. And they showed a video and um, I can't remember who was speaking. Said, If we only read from our own perspectives, it gives us a self, a sense of self-importance. And it just kind of, it was like a lightning bolt or a light bulb moment where it was like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's absolutely true. And so then for us as white people to constantly be able to see ourselves in literature, You know, and then everyone else to not really have that. It was kind of one of the moments where it just, it made me so sad, but then kind of reset me on that mission where, okay, you know, we've got work to do and we need to do better and we need to offer these books, not just to the kids that need them, but also to, you know, the white kids that need to see other, other perspectives other than their own.
0: Right. And that kind of, I mean, that kind of segue as well into my next My next question, which is, you know, what would you say to maybe librarians whose populations are pretty singular as far as demographics, especially, um, you know, in rural areas that tend to be um, more singular a lot of times in their demographics? Um, Maybe those librarians who think that those, you know, a book with diverse characters isn't going to circulate. You know, what would you say to convince that librarian that they need to have more diversity in their collection?
1: So I think it is like detrimentally important, um, to make sure that your collect, your collection does not just reflect your school community or even your, your own community, you know, your town. Um, I think that your, your library collection, it's got to be a reflection of the world society, you know, um, so that kids know what's out there Kids know what you know life is like in other countries and other cultures what other religions are like so we develop this you know acceptance of other people we have patience for other people I don't know how many times I have conversations with my kids where you know we'll see something or read about something and they're like that's weird and you have to mm-hmm. remind them like that's weird to you but it's not weird to them, yeah guys. so um so I really feel like it's important that, you know, you develop your collection based on you looking at, you know, our world population um, and not just what's within your school. And I will tell you that my most popular books in my library, you know, are books that feature diverse characters and we're yeah. probably 75 percent white. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, so these books are not just going to sit on your shelves collecting dust. Kids want to read about other people, you know, other than themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said earlier, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of funny. We're as librarians, I feel like we're constantly talking about windows and mirrors and things like that. But I also think just it's so important. My argument for that always is like building empathy, yeah. um, which I think is what you're collect- what, what you're supposed to do. Um, is, and what, I mean, reading, it's like, it's proven that reading builds empathy, (laughs) you know, and reading about other people builds empathy for people that you didn't know, or you didn't know anything about, because it gives you a chance to be in their shoes, you know, for a, for a day or two and to kind of, you know, see what life is like. And instead of just having these presuppositions that you've always had about, you know, who they are. Right. So, you know, we talk about diversity as far as culture and things like that. But one of the kind of the hot topic issues a lot of times in libraries is like uh, books, you know, featuring LGBTQ characters um, and things of that nature. Do you think uh, would you talk a little bit about why you think it's important to have, um, you know, books with uh, LGBTQ main characters and books about um, those kids as well?
1: So um, this subject matter is very near and dear to me. Um, My nephew came out a few years ago and um, we were, we were so proud of him Um, and still are obviously, but he, he didn't have that kind of representation, you know, in his library. And this was not that long ago. Right. And so um, it's been really, really important to me to make sure that those kids, because, you know, we have kids even at the elementary level that are coming out mm-hmm. as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. It's happening. Right. And so, you know, I feel like it's just as important that those kids have representation, almost even more so simply because there are so many kids in that community that don't safe. They don't feel safe at school. Some of them don't feel safe at home. So they they have, you know, really nothing that... Um, that makes them feel secure or included or loved. Um, they, they don't see themselves in anything. Um, so like I was just reading something the other day from the center of social equity that said 70%, 74% of LGBTQ youth report, not feeling safe at the school they attend. Right. And it just broke my heart yeah. to think that, you know, cause again, these are my kids. These are your kids that, don't feel good going to school. Um, and so I want those kids to know that they're accepted. I want those kids to know that they're loved. I want those kids to see themselves and let, let them know that it's going to be okay. Um, right. So, you know, I've kind of taken it upon myself over the last couple of years to make sure that, you know, I'm buying books that provide those perspectives. Um, and I, I've got permission prior to to tell the story but you know we've got a, a girl at school that you know just came out as bisexual mm-hmm. and you know one of the first things that she the kind of reaction that she got from some of the adults in the school community was, you know well, she's too young. how does she know How does she already know And I'm like you know, How, when did you know you were straight? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. When did,
0: when did you, when did you, and when did you have to come out as straight? (laughs) So Right,
1: exactly. And so I, one of the first things I did was, you know, I had a book about, you know, a girl that, you know, is kind of discovering herself and traveling around the country with her mom and comes out. And that was the first thing I did was gave it to her. And, you know, with a note that was like, you know, you are loved, you are beautiful, you are brave. You know, don't be afraid to ever be yourself. And um so you know, these kids, they need to be represented because I you know, I don't I don't wanna know what the what the end result could be if they don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like anytime I hear arguments about that, it's just those kids are those kids are there. Those kids your your kids are those kids. You know what I mean? Like there's no Nothing you can say denies the existence of those kids. And so why would you not try to find a way to let them know that they're loved? Especially as far as a library goes, like, you know, I feel like libraries are kind of like that, that bastion of safety, (laughs) you know, whether it's a public library or uh, a school library, you know, we try to like serve everybody. Right. Um, And I feel like that's, I don't know why you even, you know, why you would want to try to exclude um, somebody for that reason too. And the thing is, is it's not always obvious, right? And so you ought to have some stuff there for those kids who are, you know, discovering who they are and, and trying to figure things out because it's such a volatile time um, in your life, you know, no matter what your, you know, sexual orientation is or whatever. Um, like that, I feel like, you know, your, your, your goal is to be serving everybody. So. Right
1: and i think we we tend to you know either we're afraid of that sex word you know like yeah. oh this this is talking about sexual orientation but this right. is this is not about that this is about love right you know yeah. and it, um the i i think too we get we get afraid we're afraid of parents we're afraid of books being challenged but You know, and I've, I've heard people that have said, you know, well, you know, what about the parents? What if I, uh, parents don't want to talk to their kids. They don't want their kids to read this book and then start asking questions. Right. And I'm like, but that's why we read books because we, you know, we want these kids to be discovering other people, discovering themselves. We want them to ask questions about the world. Right. So, and, and how the parent decides to handle that is totally up to the parent. Um, but we want these kids to be questioning things to, you know, be discovering and be curious about the world. And at the same time, you know, I'm here for every kid, no matter what. And I can't let my fear of, you know, how a parent might react because that book's in the library stop me from helping that one kid feel supported or 10 kids or 50 kids or whatever you know, feel supported in, in the library or feel safe at school. So, yeah. um, and I tell you what, my LGBTQ books are extremely popular um, yeah. with my kids. They check them out all the time. Drama is one of my most popular books. Yeah. So, um, so I think that maybe we we are afraid and we have to set that fear aside and I also feel like, you know, because this is a topic, I know people have different opinions about different values and that I respect that. But at the same time, you know, developing your collection, you have to set those, those inner biases aside and know that, you know, this is bigger than you and this is bigger yeah. than your feelings and your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you've, so you've, you've got to make sure that you are, you know, representing everybody, regardless of your personal feelings.
0: Right. And that's, and I mean, even like, I mean, it's something like I, you know, I don't feel like I had, um, I don't feel like I've, you know, run into that issue as far as, you know, um, as these types of books, but I'm just saying, even like in general as a library, and I think you have to really <laughs> convince yourself sometimes, like it's not, I just have to remind myself a lot of times that it's not Ethan's collection, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, sometimes just because I'm so used to like, I, I, I'm familiarized with it and I'm, you know, I feel like I read a lot of books and I know what I want to add, but like, yeah, you're, you're bought, you're buying stuff you're adding to it you're developing it for each and every student you know that you're you're hoping to serve so Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really you know the mindset you have to have
1: you know just I even had to you know we talk about self-reflection a lot and I even had to kind of check myself in you know I I'm so proud of all of these books that I offer to kids and stuff but then you know just analyzing even the lessons that I do with kids and thinking about you know am I, am I really being inclusive in the lessons that I do? Um, right. So that's kind of, I, last year I took an inventory of things that I taught and I'm, I love teaching mythology. It's one of my favorite things to teach and the kids really, really seem to like it a lot. But then looking at it, I realized, you know, I was all teaching mythology that focused on a lot of European culture. And, right. um, and so, you know, my mission at the end of the year and this year was to start incorporating, you know, other cultures into that as well. We started reading Indian mythology and African mythology and Native American mythology just to, you know, bring more in to what we were doing. So they weren't just getting that kind of isolated view.
0: Yeah. And that's the, the you, you speaking of that, makes me think of something that I've been really trying to start focusing on is my, uh, my, uh, the, building up the native Americans section of my library or just, I don't even want to say native American section, but build like finding native authors Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, adding their work to the collection, because I feel like so much of, you know, even nonfiction work about native Americans is often by white people. Right. Uh, And so like, and that's not, they're not in charge of those people's stories, you know, like, and so, uh, that's something I really wanted to work focus on as far as like nonfiction and, and poetry and even fiction, you know, is letting, you know, letting those people, you know, so much, obviously, so much has been taken from them over the course of history. Like, I feel like the least, the very least that we can do is let them tell their own stories, you know? Right. Yeah. So what would you suggest people do uh, if they do have a, a challenge uh, for a book in one of their libraries, if, you know, if they're associated, well, even if they're not associated with Massel, but what should they do?
1: So first, um, I want to say to any, anybody that doesn't already have kind of um, a path to follow when somebody challenges a book, um, most definitely get that plan in place. Um, ALA is a great resource for that. And then obviously, you know, um, ALA and AASL both offer, um, challenge support to libraries too. Um, but Victoria Jones, our AASL representative is a great person to contact that can either help you or put you into contact, uh, with people that can help you fight that challenge.
0: Yeah, she's great. So I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, asking her, well, I mean, about any subject library-related, really, but, you know, obviously specifically that one as well. Um, do you have any, um, some like, do you have some diverse titles you would recommend um, for us? And I know you're uh, third through fifth or whatever, so I thought, uh, but, I mean, obviously recommend whatever age level you, you feel like you want to.
1: So um, I was thinking about this a lot today, just kind of trying to um, – think of some of my really favorite titles and i know i mentioned darius the great is not okay by adeep karam um, yeah that's that's like one of my favorites my recent favorites that i just read which is a ya um yeah so i highly recommend that um
0: he's so- gonna be in kansas city in a couple of weeks actually at the lit up festival so i'm yeah, I saw with that with
1: jacqueline woodson
0: yeah and Gail Foreman. Ooh, it's gonna be good.
1: So, um, oh, and Jen Wang too, I think, is gonna yep. be there.
0: She's amazing yep.
1: as well. Um, so uh Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. I just read The Summer. Um, and that is an amazing book. And it's, you know, for those of you those of you with younger audiences, um, because my son read The Hate You Give and it it kind of changed his life. I mean that's an overstatement, but he's he's um, was definitely very touched by that book and, yeah. and learned a lot from that book. Um, and it made him more aware of the world, you know. But um, so Ghost Boys would be like your elementary version of The Hate You Give. Okay. And um, that one was a really good one uh, that I read over the summer. And then Red Butterfly by A.L. Sonicson. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, that one is about, um, a little girl that, uh, is born in China and she's adopted illegally by a white woman, um, in China. And then she ends up you know, having to go back to the orphanage and she's adopted by an American family. Um, but it's actually a novel in verse and oh. another really, really great book that, um, uh, my kids read and they've they've really enjoyed it a lot and again it kind of gives them a different perspective Uh, she did a really good job of kind of um capturing that you know kind of conflict between chinese culture and american culture um but it's it's and also you know this idea that um you know, these kids you know, in China are or in orphanages. The the girl in the book has a um, has a disability. And so she's abandoned. Um, so it kind of brings light to that as well. Yeah. Um, Julian is a Mermaid by Jessica Love is a picture book about a little boy who wants to dress up like a mermaid. And it's a beautiful book. It's a beautifully written book. The illustrations are beautiful. Um, that's another one that my kids have it checked out all the time. It's never in the library. Um, and you were just taught, we were talking about Native American books. Um, First laugh, welcome baby. I'm hoping I'm saying that right too. It, um, it's a picture book, okay. and it talks about um, within Native American culture, it's like a big deal to get the, who whoever can get the baby to laugh. Um, so that was, I learned something reading that book and it was, it's a really good picture book. Um, and then speaking of Jen Wang again, Prince and the Dressmaker. Yeah. That was a really good book. That's one of my favorite graphic novels ever.
0: I I, I added that on my Goodreads the other day. It's
1: an amazing book. Um, I loved it a lot. And Jen Wang is, she's a phenomenal person. Very, very nice. Um, and then Caleb and Kit by Beth Rabel. I have to give that book a shout out, just simply because it's like one of my favorite books of all time. <laughs> um, but it's about a little boy that has cystic fibrosis, which I knew nothing about until I read that book, and um, yeah. it's it's an amazing book. I learned so much reading it, um, and then it prompted me to kind of do additional research on right. cystic fibrosis as well. So uh, that's kind of like my. Some of my favorites, I am not the end-all, be-all list to diverse books by any means. Well,
0: no, uh, but that's, I mean, that's even good for, a good start for me because like, you know, I'm obviously, uh, all I do these days is read gateway books or gateway potential books. Um, So (laughs) it's nice to get some recommendations outside of the, I don't know, age group. You know, I mean, YA books are for everybody, but it's kind of good to get, see some of those younger books and see how they're kind of. Um, you know, including diverse titles there too. So, um, I will definitely have to check those out. So,
1: and I highly recommend, you know, if you, if you ever need, you know, guidance on, you know, what to get, um, what you should get, uh, We Need Diverse Books is a great resource. And then, um, within We Need Diverse Books, there's this huge list that they have that's called Where to Find Diverse Books. And so it basically breaks down, um any kind of like diverse category that you could ever think of um, within there. And then gives you links and resources to where you can find books, book lists that feature books within that certain community.
0: Yeah. It's a really
1: great, great resource. And then diverse book finder is another really good one too. Uh,
0: Kirsten, thanks for coming on and chatting with us a little bit about this topic. I know it's important to both of us. We talked a little bit about it at conference so i was really glad to have the chance to have you on and chat
1: yeah no thank you i i appreciate you giving me kind of a platform to talk about something that that i really love so i appreciate it
0: listen this platform is available to you whenever you want to stand on the platform
1: <laughs> watch out <laughs> so, yeah exactly <laughs> you so you can every-
0: you can be here you can be here every week or every two weeks <laughs> of of you. so uh yeah thanks again and uh like i said we just really appreciate you coming great, on
1: great thank you so much i appreciate
0: So we are back ready to continue our discussion um, on diversity in publishing and um, diversity in the school library and acquisitions and things like that. And uh, I'm really excited to have another guest on to kind of continue that discussion. And I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself.
2: Hi, I am Ellen Wickham. I am the librarian at Raytown South High School, which is a very diverse school just outside of Kansas City. Um, I've been a librarian, it seems like, my entire life in some form or another. I grew up um, going to the lab school at the UCM campus where my aunt was the K-12 librarian. Um, Her name is Ophelia Gilbert and she is also one of the co-founders of the Children's Literature Festival. So uh, my before and after school time was spent um, shelving books and uh, filing cards and stamping books when people checked them out. So I feel like it's um, just a very natural fit for me.
0: Right. So you've had that kind of that library lineage. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, well, you talked a little bit about the the school that you're at, uh, Raytown, being, uh, being diverse. Um, and I was kind of wondering, um, like what your approach to diverse acquisitions was. Was that something like you, thought of only after you got the job or were you thinking of that ahead of time or kind of what was your thought process there?
2: Well that's always been on my mind as a librarian because we want to serve not only the students that we have but we want to serve the imaginations of the students that we have. So when I started this job I'm finishing my 14th, 13th year in the school, um, you know, the first thing you do is you kind of do a collection analysis and, um, it was pretty basic. And then I thought, what books are my students wanting to read? What do they need to read? What do they need to have access to and what is available? You know, because of course, obviously we're always limited by the, uh, what the publishing industry chooses to put out there, um, so, you know, it's diversity has always been on my mind and much uh, more so now, you know, that I see diversity represented in my student body.
0: Sure. Well, and it feels like, like you were saying, if you at least, I mean, it's moving slowly, but surely, but at least there's some, it's starting to show up in publishing more. I mean, it used to be there weren't that many options for you to even acquire, you know. Right, right.
2: And even authors are um, getting in on that action too. And they have formed, you know, the We Need Diverse Books um, organization. And they're, I'm going to plug that right here, diversebooks.org. Uh-huh. But We Need Diverse Books is only a couple of years old. But um, authors started realizing that more books were needed um, for K-12. And this website provides lots of resources for anybody looking um, to learn more about diverse books and figure out where to find them.
0: Right. And I think that kind of, that ties into that whole, like the the own voices movement um, too, as, you know, even books that were getting published, I feel like even, you know, maybe 15 years ago about diverse, you know, cultures or what, you know, what have you, were a lot of times written by white people. Um, that weren't, you know, weren't telling their own stories. They were telling the stories of others. And I feel like it's, it's getting to the point now where those, those books are being written by the people who have lived those experiences, you know?
2: Absolutely. And one of the authors that comes to mind in that regard is Paul Vopani, who I absolutely adore. And he does write of, you know, inner city, New York students. He is a white guy he did spend a lot of time in a juvenile prison though. So even though it's not own voices, he does have that experience. And so, you know, you do have to kind of weigh, you know, does the author know what they're talking about? You know, research is all well and good, but do they have the experience? Do they, do they know what they're talking about from firsthand, you know, either living it or living with it? Does that make sense?
0: Right. Instead of, you know, potentially just telling their version of it. Right, and I, so I'm gonna um, kind of diverge on the second question a little bit. Uh, so not to freak you out, but I just wanted to give you a fair warning. Okay. Um, you, I know you've had some experience being on different uh, types of—I don't want to say uh, not not book panels, but uh, committees. You know, for right. for award nominations and things of that nature. Um, which which ones have you been on, actually?
2: Um, I was on the very first ever Gateway committee. Okay. I was one of the handful of people that piloted that around the state way back in 2000, maybe. Okay. Um, So I have been on that. And then I did um, two years on um, best fiction for young adults through YALSA. And then I was on the most recent um, Alex Award Committee.
0: Okay. So you've had, yeah, experience across the board. Does that. Does that committee experience? Do you feel like I mean? And I'm. This is my second year. I mean, I'm on Gateway uh, mm-hmm. this year, my second year. But does that? Does it? Do you feel like that kind of you know broadens or deepens your thought process on diverse book acquisition or what you know what should be an award winner and that type of thing? Being on those committees and having those discussions.
2: Absolutely. You know, we all have in our own minds, you know, whatever. We are personally working with or um, you know what we think is diverse, but when you get around a table with a half a dozen or ten other people and they bring their voices to the table, it's amazing how much you can learn. You know, I look at um, you know my time on the Gateway committee, and um, serving with Maggie Newbold was amazing. She was incredible. And um, you know, just any number of voices that come to the table are worthwhile and educational. And I think about the librarians that I have served with at the national level and what they bring to the discussion. And it it really has opened my eyes and made me think about diversity in new and different ways as well.
0: Absolutely. I figured I thought, you know, that's that's one of the things that I've noticed in my 2 years is just interacting with librarians just from schools from with different demographics and socioeconomic statuses and what have you has been interesting for me as somebody who, you know, if you I feel like if you're in your own little rut for too long, you could start thinking that <laughs> just like anybody else, that your life is the way it is, (laughs) you know, um, the, the way the books your kids are reading and those types of things, like that's, that's kind of what it is. And then it's, it's good to kind of get woken up from that every once in a while.
2: Exactly. And I think it's, you know, our professional responsibility as librarians to ensure that our students have, you know, we hear the phrase mirrors, doors, and windows, that they have you know, the mirrors that reflect their own situations, windows into others' lives, and those doors that take you into worlds beyond. Um, So we we do have that responsibility to provide that um, for our students when we're doing our collection development. Um, I'm going to jump back into, you know, thinking about award committees too. One of the... um, early book gateway books was um, Luna by Julianne Peters I think that's who it was mm-hmm. and it was an er, um, an early young adult novel about um, transgender uh, young adult and mm-hmm. we received um, statewide a whole lot of pushback um, from various librarians and school districts who felt that that didn't represent their student body, that that did not, um, you know, fit with the community standards, whatever those might be. And um, once again, Maslow issued a statement, you know, basically saying that it was the whole doors and windows and mirrors that uh, it may not provide mirrors for your students, but it's going to provide windows.
0: Right. And that, that itself kind of, leads into my you know my next question which is you know um talking to community members or even even you know maybe librarians and teachers in those those you know smaller towns that you know as far as demographics go their their demographic might be very singular (laughs) in nature um you know um and about that representation um and uh You know, can you talk a little bit about those discussions you might have with those people?
2: You know, I think we, the world is shrinking, as we all know. And with the, you know, in terms of, you know, we don't just see what is in our own community anymore. With, you know, the internet access that we have and social media and news 24 hours a day, it's very easy to see what is going on around the world. and. All the different kinds of people that inhabit this planet. And our 21st century learners need to be able to function in this world. And part of functioning in this world that we have is understanding the variety of humans that populate it. You know, not everybody looks like us or thinks like us or behaves like us. And sometimes, you know, despite social media and, you know, there are 24 hour news cycles students want to see this represented in books they may not even know that they want to see it but when they pick up that book and you know all of a sudden they're transported to a um, cocoa plantation that is exploiting children in africa and these kids are escaping you know wow their eyes are open and suddenly they're looking at the labels on chocolate bars yeah so I think, you know, like I said, we have a responsibility to our students to provide opportunities for them to yeah. learn about the bigger world.
0: And that that was one of the things I kind of talked with uh, Kirsten about earlier in the first segment was, especially in regards to, I think, you know, uh, books with LGBTQ characters. A lot of times as a, as a community or even as a teacher or librarian, like you aren't aware of what (laughs) your students are dealing with or not dealing with, or, you know, just, you know, whatever. And so the library is supposed to be a safe haven, you know, for them to be able to kind of figure that, that type of thing out.
2: Right. And a, a few years ago, um, I had a student, Finn came into my world as a freshman named Melanie Melanie, and Melanie at that time I could tell wanted to ask some questions and I started funneling some LGBTQ books to her at that time. Uh-huh. And I could see that she was zeroing in on more of the questioning and transitioning books. And so I fed her more than those. By the end of her sophomore year, she was Finn. Her parents were fully supportive. His parents were fully supportive. By the time he graduated as Finn, he was you know, fully transitioned and he came to me his senior year and said, thank you for understanding what I needed with those books. Right. And once again, it's paying attention to those unasked questions and listening to your students and providing those opportunities for them to learn and grow.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, How would you, or what are your recommendations for uh, combating pushback against, you know, diversify your collection because you like you even said you talked about mass having to issue statements and things of that nature and that's that's a pretty consistent thing with some titles you know year to year right there's all these libraries in our you know state and especially in our country who are you know fighting this uh, you know censorship or whatever from a community or from administration or things of that nature
2: right um, you know I would you know small things, like remind people that library books are not required reading right these are these are choices that our students make and um, we don't necessarily have to agree with or promote or espouse the ideas that are in there we're just providing students with opportunities so that is one of the most basic things that that you can do. You can also review, you know, our, um, documents, you know, our ALA freedom to read, uh, statements, um, uh, look at position statements on, uh, censorship and, you know, kind of gather your mental arsenal, if you will. And I hate to say that because you don't want to think of it as a war, but it, sometimes it is a war. Um, sure. and, sure. and, you know, look at, um, casework like um island trees versus pico you know a groundbreaking supreme court case that basically said no you can't just pull something off the shelf because you don't like it if you're a superintendent or a principal so remind them of that look at your selection and collection development policies look at your board policies all of those things um you know can be Uh, very powerful if you simply reference them not that you have to you know whip them out and shove them in somebody's face all the time but be aware of what they say and if you don't have collection development policies get one develop one
0: absolutely um Uh, Lastly, I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about uh, maybe recommending some diverse titles for anyone who might be listening Um, as as somebody who has been on multiple committees and (laughs) as somebody who I I am now on a committee, I know how much you have to read to be on those committees. Yeah. So I'm sure that you've got uh, uh, plenty of recommendations, but if you throw some our way, we'd really appreciate it.
2: Okay. Okay. And, you know, we think of diverse books. It's not just about the color of your skin. This is, as I was thinking about this and just trying to jot down some notes, it's, it's really diversity is a book that is really about anybody who is not like you, whether it is, you know, a physical or mental ability or, um, a book that casts characters in a different way, um. You know, one of my favorite recent ones, and of course it's won all the awards, is The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. And if you haven't read it, listen to the audiobook. She reads it, it is amazing. Um, yeah. And I'm going to shout out to Shannon Greasehaber on getting me into audiobooks. So there we go. Um I'm just getting everybody into audiobooks. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, a, that's how you maximize your reading for these award committees, always have an audiobook book going. Yep. Um, one that was on the um, Alex Award list that um, our committee created um, is called Black God's Drums by Dijeli Clark, D-J-E-L-I Clark. And it's uh, science fiction in an alternate New Orleans um, with some African and Haitian and Creole influences there. So it's just a very different kind of book. Um, I mentioned Luna. Another really great book about a transgender teen is If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo. Mm -hmm. Loved that one. Um, Oh, When Dimple Met Rishi, um, Indian uh, by, I I can't say her name, Sandhya Menon. Loved that one. Just fun, cute, um, meet cute romance. uh, But you really get... Um a flavor of what that Indian culture and family life and arranged marriage, um, and you know, going with that alternate culture and how you feel very immersed in it, um, when Darius the Great is not okay, or Darius the Great is not okay, sorry. Um, and I lost his the author's name. Um, but you really get a feel for the um, Iranian culture there uh um, yeah. black enough is a collection of short stories of uh being young and black in america curated by um eb's a boy who is a fabulous author in her own right right um graceling i loved this one it by kristen kashor it's a very it's an old book it was on our gateway list years ago um fantasy with a fabulous kick-ass female protagonist. You know, you, yeah. you can't go wrong there. Um, can't <laughs> great LGBTQ authors like um, Adam Silvera yep. and Bill Konigsberg and Becky Albertali And um, yeah, I love, you know, diverse books are everywhere. You know, you have face-blind books by, you know, like, uh, Bone Gap by Laura Ruby. Yes, love that one.
0: Um, yeah, that that book uh, that book destroyed me. Like it was so it was so so good. Yes, <laughs> it wasn't
2: that amazing?
0: <laughs> it was so it was it's so great. And that's why I tell my kids all the time. They they make fun of me because I have a hard time describing it because it it's like that magical realism. Yes, and I don't have a way of like saying like there is that element there, but you can't. It feels like sand in your fingers. Like you can't fully grasp it. Yeah, but I. I love that about it. Like it was, uh, it's a beautiful book. It is a very beautiful book,
2: but then you have nonfiction like um, laughing at my nightmare by Shane Burkaw, mm-hmm. who has a physical disability, but he treats it with humor and he has a brand new one out that um, is something along the lines of, they think my girlfriend's my nurse.
0: Oh yeah. I I, I... I was reading about that on Goodreads the other day.
2: And it's very good. And I actually have one picture book here that's diverse that I actually have in my library, which my students love. And it's called The Girl Who Thought in Pictures. It's a nonfiction picture book about Temple Grandin. Oh. So And it's excellent. So yeah. I can go on and on and on. But <laughs> that's, just, that's just a selection. And, oh, Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe.
0: Yes, which... I believe the audiobook is narrated by Lynn manuel Miranda.
2: Yes. And I haven't listened to that
0: one yet. I haven't either, but... but I'm, I read it and I'm thinking about going back and just listening to it. Cause I, I can't imagine that, that being a bad experience at all. <laughs> so, um, that would be yeah, great. That yeah, Yeah. But... Well, um, I appreciate you coming on and That's kind of good. chatting with us a little bit, um, about all, you know, like I I've told, I told Kirsten at the beginning of her segment, uh, I feel like like diversity is not something you can have an episode on. Right. Um, it's something that you're constantly talking about and dealing with. So I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. Good. And I'd love to come back and chat with you about uh, any other topics as well. So I'll probably be uh, be letting you know um, <laughs> when we come up with some more topics to have you on, yeah. again, if that's all right. Anytime.
2: You know me, I can talk books and libraries for days.
0: Oh, well, I, lo- <laughs> I love doing it too. So that's why uh, I have finagled this gig. Great. So... <laughs> Um, Well, we really appreciate you coming on and just uh, want to thank you, like I said, for uh, spending some time with us today.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I want to thank my guests, Kirsten Shaw and Ellen Wickham for being willing to come on the podcast and chat with me a little bit about um, this topic. I know that they were really excited to get the chance to talk about diversity specifically, so I'm glad that we were able to have them on. once again, we will be tackling this throughout the course of uh, this podcast. And I mean, I know I'll be tackling this throughout the course of my career. So uh, if you have questions or thoughts or elements, um, things maybe we didn't really get to uh, discuss as fully as you would have liked, let me know. And uh, we'll try to tackle those in future episodes. Our theme song is "New Day" by Lee Rosevere, and our segue music is "Wireless," also by Lee Rosevere. And those songs were cut for time, obviously, uh, to use as intros and outros and uh, music in between our segments. Thanks again for being here. We hope you'll listen along next time. to you checked in?